All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. No matter where you may find yourself as you listen to this and you're tuned in to the only sports podcast with brains, bars and NFL draft talk. You tune into another episode of It's a Black and White Thing. I am one half of the dynamic duo. I am a one. You can also call me Carlos. You can also call me Dan, as you see on the screen. You can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, um, searching for It's a Black and White Thing. Um, and liking the content, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. You can also check out um, more our more recent episode podcast by going to YouTube, searching Brains and Bars there. Um, and then again, rate, review, subscribe, um, and share the content. The more you do that, the more people that, the more the algorithm starts to put our podcast in front of other people. Tell a friend to tell a friend. It's those boys again. And you can also check us out by going to uh, our social media profiles, Facebook, YouTube, I'm sorry, Facebook, IG, Twitter, at Brains and Bars. Um, for those who will be in the live chat tonight, um, don't be bashful. Come in, say hi. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you like the page and share the broadcast. Facebook, same thing, like and share. Um, so we normally start the show, first of all, for our returning uh, listeners and viewers. Welcome. Glad to have you. Um, for those who are new to the show, welcome. We're glad you joined us. Um, so we normally start the show off by going through what I've learned and what A Ward has learned or what A Ward is looking forward to. But we're actually going to get right into our NFL draft coverage. Um, and so joining us, he's a draft analyst from the Three Point Conversion. He is Cortland Griffin. Uh, Cortland, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Uh, this is this is amazing. Uh, I've never watched the show. I've never seen the show, but I'm glad to be here. And you guys got a fan of me right now, so I'll be tuning in. We appreciate that. So I want to say a quick shout out to uh, homie Danny Thompson. Uh, Danny was the one who connected uh, me and Cortland to, to, to get together to do this show tonight. So a big shout out to him. Um, and if you have watched the episode, watch the podcast, you know, Danny was recently on um, breaking down the Charlotte Hornets and the Mellow Ball and talking a little NBA and some NFL. So I believe that's episode 70 if you want to know, for, want to check that out for certain. So, uh, Corlin, once again, thanks for joining us. We appreciate having you. So I just want to jump into this, you know, um, and just as we get into this draft coverage, what is one what is one thing about the draft if you could change? If you could just, you know, if you were com if you were the NFL commissioner, you can make a change to the draft process. What would that be? Uh, definitely the combine process. Um, I, I feel like there's something missing there. The one thing that I do look at is uh, I if, I'm pretty sure you guys are average football watchers, college football watchers. So when you watch the East West Shrine game and definitely the senior bowl and you see the coverage, um, I, I follow Teron Davenport, uh, and I'm friends with him on Facebook as well. And one thing that he definitely shows is the one-on-ones, like the half pads, full speed one-on-ones. Uh, I feel like when you evaluate these guys, you know, it's great to look, in, look good in shorts. Um, I've, I've gone to uh, the combine experience and ran the 40 time and done the, you know, some of the, you know, drills they have set up there, you know, pre-COVID, and I looked great. Uh, a team probably would have signed me there, you know, right then and there. Um, but like I said, I was in shorts and a T-shirt and, you know, I could look great in shorts and a T-shirt. When you get those pads on that these guys really, you know, start to see, 
what they're made of. And I think when you start to get these guys, they feel like in a draft like this where there's the top four or five wide receivers are so closely pushed, you know, right together, um, or there's distance in between Devontae Smith or a Jamar Chase, and then you got guys like a Caleb Farley, you know, these top DBs, it would be great to see those guys, even if it's just shorts and, and pads and helmet, go up against each other and not just see guys backpedal from the 20 yard line to the 30 and trying to run and catch a ball. I can do that. I can I can come off the street and do that. Any Joe Smoke can come off the street and do that. These guys are getting paid to hit each other. They're going to get paid to make contact with each other. We should at least see some contact. Um, you know, there is the risk of injury and some guys, of course, keep it open to where some guys can opt out because some guys the tape is is enough. But it's for the guys that are day three guys, day four guys. Could, you know, you go to the in, in the combine on a 14-4-3, all of a sudden their, their stock jumps up. And if you're a sports fan, you draft this guy, you're excited because you saw what he did in shorts, then he gets out on the field. And, you know, he's a dumpster fire. And you're wondering, why do we waste a second-round pick, a first-round pick, or third-round? Why do we waste that pick on this guy? And you go back and you look at his tape, and you're like, oh, okay. He, he was always this bad. His combine numbers look great. So I think I would change the combine, if anything. Now, have you had the opportunity? I know you talked about going to the combine experience. Have you been to, like, the senior bowl or to the actual, like, combine or East-West Shrine game to actually watch some of those practices? Um, actually, yeah, I actually have been to the combine. Um, the first time I went, funny story, I tell the story um, all the time. Uh, my mom, she actually um, paid for tickets. We all went. Um, we were actually staying in the ho- same hotel as like some of the coaches and uh, draft analysts. So that really, that really got me into doing this, which is draft, uh, draft analytics. And I actually got to sit in Lucas Oil Field or Stadium and actually watch these guys run and, and see them actually go through the process. And, and it was amazing. Um, it was pretty fun to see. Uh, some you know these elite athletes go out and do and 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 showcase elite athleticism you know you know world class athleticism uh, you get to see it up close I actually got to see Deion Sanders and um, and those guys up close and personal you know some of them you know I got to take pictures with some of them actually ask a question or two so it was amazing this was prior to me ever doing sports casting or sports uh, analytics. Uh, as a as a profession, so this is uh, so that was a great experience for a young Cortland Griffin. Uh, if I had to give him some advice, I would say, please run with that. <laughs> and don't wait, don't wait two years later to uh, that's what's to, to, to make hey, it. Hey, we're about to get our credential game up so we can. Uh, I want to go to the Senior Bowl. Like I want to go to Mo- Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Go to the senior bowl, kick back, watch some practices, take in some things, you know, just get to meet people and just talk to people and just get that whole experience in. Um, I've seen yeah, like, I know Matt Miller does that. Like I've seen him kind of like, talk about things, and, and I'm just like, that's the place. If I'm if I'm going to start before I try to go to the big leagues, like if I can get down there to the senior bowl, that'd be dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's same here. Uh, my my dream is I think college sports are a little bit more exciting than professional sports. That's when you're covering those kind of evaluation processes. I like this guy. Uh, because these, those guys are actually playing to get somewhere. 
Yep. I feel like NFL. I feel like in the NFL, yeah, you get highlight plays, and the presentation looks great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Professional sports have their place in sports entertainment. We can't deny that they've been around for NFL what a hundred years. I think the NBA what around a hundred or more, um, somewhere in there. Uh, of course, we know what baseball. We know what baseball is. You know, has been. Uh, but when you talk about the evaluation process and what college football brings to American sports culture, and you look at the East-West Strong game, you look at the Senior Bowl, and you look at what those guys are doing out there and the excitement, I would love to be down there to cover those guys. Mobile, and plus, it's, it's Mobile, Alabama, so there's nothing down there. I have family from Mobile, so I know there's nothing down there <laughs> but, the, but the, the Senior Bowl at that time. So that that is – that would be you can when you want to say eat, sleep, drink, breathe football, college football all day for at least for you know a week. The senior bowl would be it. So you're talking war language with that college yep, yep. football is the best is the best, is is more entertaining and more fun to watch in the pro game. <laughs> so if you, I mean, college football time. Just look at ESPN. If you know, uh, you know, look at those guys. Look at any sports publication, even even to the three point conversion. Even though we talk professional football, college football, and shout out to to Kyle Nash and Derek Worley, uh, some of our college football writers. Um, those guys make you want to tune into those games because they're amazing. They're amazing. Um, those games, you, you see so much. You see so many highlights. I never forget a couple of years back, the Braxton Miller spin uh, spin against Virginia Tech. That was all over. That was all over ESPN, and it overshadowed a lot of professional guys. Why? Because you didn't see that in professional sports. You didn't see a guy going from quarterback to receiver, and it that, because of that kind of position fluidity and guys trying to you know make make names for themselves going into the draft. And some of them are seniors. And some of these guys you've seen them. You know, come up from freshman. You've seen like Trevor Lawrence, for example. We've seen him go through progression, you know, as from freshman to now a junior, a draft eligible, and he's done nothing but win and make you know and make your jaw drop. So it's it, we can be all day talking about college football. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. We're here with draft analyst Cortland Griffin from the uh, three point conversion. All right, so I want to ask you. I'm going to make you a GM. And then, Ward, you can follow up. I'll let you chime in on this as well. All right. All right. So I'm going to make you a GM. What's your blueprint? You're at your pre- opening press conference. What's your blueprint for building your team through the draft? And this is just any team? Uh, Yeah. You, we, we Expansion. Let's just start from scratch, right? We're not going to say okay. it's any particular team. It's a, there's, this is the 33rd franchise. Uh, we're going to say the uh, Nashville, right? I mean, I, granted, there's already a team in Nashville. We're just going to create a new. We're going to put a second in Nashville. All right. So how, I'm a Titans fan, but I'm pretty sure they're going to hate me. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what's your blueprint for building your franchise? Um, uh, well, let's take the uh, let's take the Titans blueprint for example. Let's just go build. Let's build a defense first. Let's go. Let's go get us a, a high quality. A defensive end, high quality safety, uh, bookend corner, um, and and build from there. Um, and then offensive line and quarterback, I can interchange. I believe you can interchange. Uh, I will, of course, you know, being an upstart franchise, you would probably want to go and get a quarterback first. Uh, but you need to protect them. So, you know, like I said, those can be interchangeable. It just depends on what you want to do and, and, and 
where you are? Do you trust the quarterback that you have coming in or, uh, you know, what what have you? But offensive line, I would go offensive line first, quarterback second. Um, and then from there, skill positions. You can always go get wide receivers. You can always make a blockbuster trade here or there to go get a guy who's disgruntled and wants to, you know, make a name and – Ego is big from that. So I, I would love, I know me, I know I had an ego when I played. And uh, you always want to go to a place where you're going to be the big man on campus or you can help a team win and, and kind of get that, that hurrah hero credit. Um, it kind of, I, I call that a legacy builder. You know, you go to a team and they have nothing, nothing's been there before. So you get to go in and kind of puff your chest out a little bit. Um, and so I would probably go get those guys uh, second, you know. Right receivers, because today is a passing league, you got to put up points in a running back uh, second and then add a tight end because you need, you know, you need that safety valve and that big body. Okay. All right. So, we're, 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 this is an all Tennessee expansion. So, we're putting the team in Knoxville now. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Tennessee, Tennessee, the volunteers have not been good. So, we want to boost morale in the city of Knoxville. And we want to give them an expansion franchise. Well, first and foremost, just know that this expansion franchise is going to have the best fans in college football or in <laughs> NFL football, right? So just just so we know, now that we're in Knoxville. But um, no, I uh, I mean, just kind of piggybacking off what Cortland said, uh, I think I think football is one in the trenches. You know, I think that uh, being able to protect the quarterback and being able to pressure the quarterback are two of the most necessary things, you know, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, the NFL and, you know, drafting your team. So uh, I definitely would probably start out at left tackle and I'd probably move to defensive end or, or definitely on the defensive line side. I think one of um, uh, a position that we, we tend to kind of, I don't say, I don't want to say we underrate it or not because there's a lot of diva type guys, but I think defensive back, I think having a lockdown corner, um, to me is definitely a huge asset on the defensive side. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to start at left tackle. I'm probably going to move to the defensive line. And I, what else I'm going to do is I'm going to trade picks. <laughs> I'm going to get as many picks as possible. <laughs> and so I'm going to be in that back office, you know, trying to make trying to make a one in the uh, a late one in two twos or, uh, you know, doing all of that kind of stuff. If I'm actually building because, you know, um, just as an expansion team, being able to, you know, have a bunch of guys there, being able to analyze them and see them play and then cut people accordingly is going to be super important, you know. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with uh, Cortland. You know, we know it's it's a it's a pass-first league. So, um, uh, things like running back and things like interior defensive line, I think, is maybe taking a, a little bit of a, a hit. You know, I think we're more kind of edge rushers than we are your big uh, – what was the guy's name for Green Bay? Gilbert. You remember the the big the big nose that was like oh, yeah. three hundred and ninety pounds and just like you know like there was a point in time in football where where those guys were effective because they just clogged up you know the the interior running but we we've kind of gravitated away from that so um but yeah fast linebackers speed speed kills these days we need fast linebackers we need people that can tackle um and then uh you know quarterback wise. Um, man, quarterback is, is, is kind of the most important position on the field. But I just think people don't realize how much, you know, I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl. You can have the best quarterback in the NFL, but if you can't protect him or if you can't, you know, pressure the other quarterback, it's not going to get you anything, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that, you know, 
I think basically I'm the same way. Like I start on that left tackle, I move to the defensive end, find my defensive back, and then start filling in the gaps with what's available as far as quarterback, safety, linebackers, different things like that. Okay, I'm I'm very you know as someone who thinks that the quarterback position is overhyped and overpraised, I, it, it warms my heart to see that you guys started in the trenches because that's that's the type of guy I am. Um, you know, like you said, if you can't protect them, if you can't get to them, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, I I, I appreciate that from both of you guys. But speaking of quarterbacks, I am a Niners fan. I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. You know, 30-something years in the making. Yes, yeah, 30 <laughs> years in the making. Um, appreciate it. You are one of the few. There's a lot of, uh, you know, post-2009 fans after those I, the playoff, I, the multiple playoff runs that came out of nowhere. Nah, so, nah I, listen, I lived through the Tim Rattay years, the, the, Kim, oh, the, the Kim Dorsey oh. years, the Jim Druckenmiller years. Yeah, I lived through all them years. I lived through all them years. You know what I'm saying? It stayed true. Stay loyal to the soil. So, uh, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, and John Lynch trade up to number three, and all the talk is that they're going to take Mac Jones at number three. Please, like, I'm a Niners fan. Can you make me feel okay about like sell me on why take why them taking Mac Jones at number three is a good idea? If I had to sell you why it's a good idea. <clears throat> You're looking at a guy who comes from Alabama, who's played around a uh, big-time talent. He's played with uh, wide receivers who have, you know, range and skill level from, you know, ultra great and Jalen Waddle um, and, Dave, and Devontae Smith to mid-tier guys. Uh, and then on top of that, he knows how to work and manage in, within a system. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, just like his father, Mike Shanahan, those are system guys. You have to have quarterbacks that are willing to be coached. You have to have a quarterback that's willing to play within that system and also humble himself enough to be uh, coached and play in the system. So Mac Jones is that. He, throw, he throws a great ball. I don't have any questions about his ability to play the game. My only question about him, uh, if you have a question mark, is the fact that he's coming out of Alabama. We've only seen a couple of guys be successful coming out of that school at that position for a long time, it was Joe Namath. That was the only Alabama quarterback that you can name that actually had a tenure in the NFL that meant anything. So now you have a guy like Mac Jones, you have Tua, he actually got to play up under Tua. So you have that uh, and and learn from that guy. We've seen what he's been able to do with the Dolphins uh, in, short, in a short span. And I believe that his arm, his stature is of course bigger, his arm, has a little more pop to it. He's a little bit more accurate than Tua was. He reads the ball. He reads defenses a lot better. So if you're a 49ers man and they do take Mac Jones at three, uh, his progression, if anything, you, you get a Tom Brady like progression. You'll get a Tom Brady like progression, which is why he's also I had I have had him attached to the Patriots since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and the reason I said that, and the reason I had him that is because he's the type of guy that uh, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick they love to have, and they've had they have for a better part of twenty years. Tom Brady uh, is he more athletic than Tom Brady? Of course, who's not? But <laughs> um, you know he has a, a liver arm. He's younger. 
but he's cut from that mold. If you look at what Tom Brady did at Michigan uh, during the draft, during that draft process, when he came in, all the guy did was win in college. You know, he he dug Michigan out of many a hole, and so Mac Jones, you know, he's won in college, and he's he dug Alabama. Uh, out of holes, he he played front runner. He can play front runner. He can dig you out of hole. He's even kill. He's fun. Uh, he has the greatest dad bod in college football. You know it's <laughs> you know it's it's you know it's fun. So if you're a 49ers fan, uh, if you're a 40 like I said, if you're a 49ers fan, is he a California personality? Not by any means. But you're also not in Los Angeles, so you don't have to worry about that. You're in San Francisco. You need a guy that can come in there and be that Joe, that Joe Montana kind of steadying presence there and, and, and kind of embody what that team has always been, which is hard work, you know, and, 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 and winning culture. And that's what this guy is. You know, you, I mean, I appreciate you attempting to uh, make me feel a little bit better about them. <laughs> Taking Mac Jones at number three, but I yeah, it's it's still a, it's still a no. I, I don't have him. I honest in my you asked me a question, so I was yeah, yeah. bound by the question. <laughs> but personally, where I have the 49ers going, um, I know I've heard the Trey Lance um rumors. I don't think Trey Lance goes that high. Uh even though, you know, we'll get to that later. Uh <laughs> but Justin Fields, uh Justin Fields is the guy that I think you need to have in San Francisco. Uh, he's cut from a better mold. He's he's a guy that's that is coachable. He has the 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 skill set that Kyle Shanahan would love to have, and something that he he didn't get to uh, he didn't get. Um, you know, I don't think he's had ever in his career. If you look throughout his career, he's never had a guy like Justin Fields to kind of play chess with on the field, and that's the kind of player, and that's the kind of guy that Mike Shanahan would you know love to have because he had. Mike Shanahan can play chess with John Elway. Yeah. Why not give his son something to build with? And if he can build the same legacy in San Francisco that Mike, uh, his father, built in Denver, go for it. Hey, what were you about to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting, too, uh, because so I don't know if you know, but like, well, you probably do know, like Mac Jones is one of the guys who benefited, I think, supremely from playing in the East West Shrine in the senior boat. Um, mm-hmm. So when you look back at it, you look at a guy like Justin Fields, who probably is going to, you know, dominate that combine that, you know, 40 time, the vertical, the bench press and all that kind of stuff. And then you look, look, at, look at a guy like Mac Jones, who, you know, may be going into that senior bowl before he took reps and before he did that things like people were questioning, was he going to be able to perform well at a pro day or at a combine? So I think it is funny, but I think I really firmly believe that you have to ask yourself like how, like the safest pick to me is Mac Jones. Do you want to be safe though? Did you trade up to be safe? If that makes any sense, because Mac Jones is, I, I think that he, he kind of, has all of these things like playing for Alabama, playing under Nick Saban, being coachable. Um, like I feel like you have an, a, a, a comfortability knowing that you're going to get what you're going to get. Whereas Justin Fields, we now and we and that's why I maybe I don't I would say I disagree with Cortland, but I would I would touch on this too. Ohio State quarterbacks are just as bad, if not you know worse than 
your Alabama quarterbacks when it comes to who they're producing, you know, um, with your Braxton Millers and your Cardell Joneses and your, you know, different things like that. So, um, and I watched Justin Fields last year and I watched him play four or five good teams with their shortened schedule or whatever. And he just didn't look as good on the field. So um, I just thought it was, I just thought it was interesting as you're talking about those two t- players, Justin Fields and Mac Jones, you have Mac Jones who, who benefited from that senior bowl, who benefited from seeing live action. And you have a Justin Fields who you're kind of, um, I know that, you know, probably in the uh, college football playoff and different things, you know, you're impressed from like a, a physical stature standpoint. So, um, but what do you want? I mean, you didn't, I don't think you traded up to be safe. So that's why I think you don't take Mac Jones. I think that you probably could have gotten him before you traded up. Um, yeah. You definitely like, yeah, we have these quarterbacks. Like, I mean, when you're looking at like the Trey Lance that everybody talks about is like a top, you know, it's like the guy played for North Dakota State. He's only played 17 games ever, but he's playing at North Dakota State. You know what I mean? And like, there's questions outside of probably Trevor Lawrence and maybe Zach Wilson that reside in these three, these next three guys, you know. But I think the big, the biggest thing is like, what did you trade up for? Like, you like don't don't trade up and trade all this stuff away just to play it safe and grab Mac Jones. You know what I mean? Like that, that doesn't make too much sense to me. So. Yeah. And and listen, man, I, (laughs) I agree. I said this on, uh, I said this on Twitter, on our, on our brains and bars, Twitter, Twitter profile, a Twitter page. Like to me, if he takes Mac Jones, this is Kyle Shanahan saying that my system is the star and my system makes the player versus taking a talent in fields or even trade, you know, even in Lance and saying, okay, I'm going to take what you do great, what you do well, and use my system to accentuate that and then take the potential you have within my system and make and make that potential shine. Like to me, when you look at this is what they did with Mahomes, right? You had Mahomes who had this incredible talent, Andy Reid system. I feel like he he when he got even with Alex Smith. Even with Michael Vick, right? You've seen this with these different, even even Kevin Cobb, like worked for a bit, right? Within that system of getting these players and accentuating what they do well and highlighting that within the system. Like, don't tell me you're a genius, and you, but you can you say, well, I can only take this type of player within my system, mm-hmm. right? Like getting Kirk Cousins Jr. at number three does not excite me at all, right? Like, because that's the comparison I've seen made, or getting Jimmy Garoppolo Jr. at that. At that position, like that doesn't excite me. Like, if go and take Lance, go and take Fields, take that that potential that they have, take the strengths that they have, and marry it to your system, and be great. Like you, yeah. like you said, you traded three first round draft picks. Like, swing for the fences. And Mac Jones is just like a nice little single right up the middle, and it's just like you could, like you, like you guys said, you could have gotten him at twelve. You didn't have to jump up. You could at least if you felt like people were going to grab him at maybe the top eight, you could have jumped up to maybe six and still made that happen. So well, you kind of, you kind of took what I was going to say. You already have a game manager on the roster. We've seen how that's worked. And I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback. I'm not saying that because when, when they traded for him, I, I immediately said that I was like, Bill Belichick is, is chicken out. He's, this is his last hurrah. He's tra- he's 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 crippling the Patriots and he's going to retire. But then, you know, and then, of course, what, a year later, they're in the Super Bowl. So 
it, it kind of gives you that kind of that courage that, okay, we know what we can do when we have a guy with this skill set. Let's go get the upgraded version of Jimmy Garoppolo. And Matt Jones, he's a little bit, he's more athletic. He has a better arm. He can read better on defense. He played in the greatest, con- the best conference in college football That's right now. So he's played against pro-ready. And it hurts me to say that because I'm, I'm an ACC guy. Yeah. But – the, you know, it, the SEC <laughs> it is. is where, yeah, the, the SEC is where it's at. They pump out professional caliber players. If you look at the top 10 prospects in college football every year, SEC guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, Mac Jones is, a, is amazing. But like you said, you don't go to be safe. You don't trade up to be yeah. safe. And it wasn't until they traded up that you saw Mac Jones' name even – jump into the top 10 or top three. So if that prospect is following this team, you see what I'm saying, up the scale here, then that tells me I don't think that these guys are going there. I think it's a smoke screen. I think that you go and get, you get Justin Fields. The only knock on Justin Fields, and I get dogged about this often, that I don't say, I don't say anything positive about Justin Fields, but he – the knock on him is he goes through his progression slow. He, you know, he's kind of, he kind of holds the ball and, you know, he, he, he kind of is robotic in his progression and his reads and it gets him into a lot of trouble, which means he has to use his legs more. My other knock on him is that he, he settles to run first rather than if it's third and 12 and you're in the NFL, I don't want my quarterback running for 15 or running for nine and getting his, you know, his clock clean. I need a guy that can throw the ball 10 and let the receiver run for two rather than resorting to using his legs. But the, 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 this is where you have to have faith in your coach. And this is why the draft process, other analysts, I feel like I missed the ball. When I do evaluations, I look at the coaching, the system, what you already have in place, and what player fits and elevates your team. And then, of course, I take into account the rankings. And, of course, you have to take into, you know, uh, the, the, the natural progression of the draft. So you have to do you do have to look at that. But there's other factors. Kyle Shanahan, that name alone, you know, carries weight. Shanahan carries weight in the NFL regardless. But we know we, we've seen him do it. We've seen him completely go from passing the ball and being a guy that you know does a vertical pass game and uses tight end to being a run first team where they had a three-headed monster and they made it to the Super Bowl with a, a quarterback that was only passing for 100 yards maybe a game, 120. Mm-hmm. And then so now you can get that, both of those, and marry those together with Justin Fields. Why? You have a, a guy with legs and size, you know, the legs and a, a kind of a smaller Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. But the power and the accuracy of, you know, I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers. I would say more or less Patrick Mahomes-like accuracy and arm strength. You can coach around progression, you know, slow progression. You make it easy for him. You get him a couple rollouts. You move the pocket. You know, you have Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel there. They're some of the best run-after-catch, short-yarded, uh, short uh, route runners in the game. You got George Kittle there. You you have uh, the running back. I can't remember. I can never 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So you so you got these guys there in place. You got a defense in place. You just need to add that that cherry on top, which is a quarterback. And I think Justin Fields is that guy. Don't be afraid if you get Matt Jones. I think he's the starter by week six. Uh, but if you get Justin Fields, you can feel comfortable that he'll come in and he'll change the culture. All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. Here with Cortland Griffin from the three-point conversion. He's a draft analyst for them over there. On it, It's a black and white thing with A1 and A-Ward. So I'm going to start with A-Ward, and I'm going to come to you, Cortland. So I want you to rank the – well, I guess we'll say five quarterbacks, right? So A-Ward, I'll start with you. Rank the five quarterbacks, one to five, who on your quote-unquote big board. Rank them for me real, real fast. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is one. Um, I would have Zach Wilson at two. I would have Justin Fields at three, Trey Lance at four, and Mac Jones at five. Okay, okay. So, Cortland, how about you? Do you have that same that same order? Um, with a couple with some nuances. Um, and I got a tie at the bottom. So, uh, I got Trevor Lawrence at one, Zach Wilson at two. Um, depends on your flavor. You can kind of interchange those two guys. They both bring some of the same things. But, of course, Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect since Peyton Manning to ever come out of college football. So uh, you got Trey. I got Trey Lance at three. Uh, I think he's bigger, stronger than Justin Fields. Uh, he, he throws – I mean, he has a cannon when he throws the ball. I don't know if you guys watched any of his pro days, but – His pro day was crazy. Those, those receivers – had ice on their hands after those after those passes were coming out. Definitely those five to ten yard slants. He's putting pop on the ball. Uh, Justin Fields is fourth, but like I said, between those two guys, these top four guys, it's just whatever your flavor is. Uh, who? What do you want um, from a guy? I think you can kind of. It just teams teams can interchange those guys. Now uh, the bottom, I have a tie five. I have Mac Jones and Kyle Trask tied for five. Oh. And. Okay. And to me, it's because, like I said, SEC, Mac Jones played in a run first. It, it's, I mean, Nick Saban hasn't changed his philosophy since he's been in Alabama. Run the ball, pass it vertically, score points. You know, that, that's it. Hold the team, hold the opposing team to zero if possible and, and run up the score. And once we get into the third quarter, throw the ball, throw the ball, and throw the ball somewhere. Okay. The philosophy hasn't changed. But Kyle Trask has played in the pro system. He's big, he's strong, he's, he he can he can he can move a little bit, but he makes all the professional throws. If you look at his tape, he makes every professional throw there is on the field. And he played around this talent and put up more production. Yeah. So Okay. okay. I'm um, I, I think it's a tie. Mac Jones has the name, but Kyle Trask has the talent. I'm gonna clip this up for Loso because Loso is gonna. He's so our homie Loso. He's a Florida fan, uh, so he's definitely gonna be excited to hear that uh, Kyle Trask did just as much with less. So that'll excite oh, him for sure. And um, from the comment section, Norris, I am proud to be a 49er fan. Get out of here, you Ram fan. We're, we're, not, we're <laughs> not. We're not talking about you right now. All right, Ronald's so, fans should be proud, man. They got they got championships. You, you yeah, and one of the most overrated quarterbacks of all time, Steve Young. Anyway, so what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that. I'm a, I'm a Montana. I'm a Montana fan, but I I, I can't touch Steve Young. 
Hey, one, you got a list? You got your list? Uh, of top five, of the order? I got a sleeper. I didn't know if you was going through a list. Uh, I mean, nah. I mean, that. I mean, my five, I think, is similar to yours. I mean, it's Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, and then uh, and then Mac Jones. So that's my list. Who's your sleeper? Kellen Mond from uh, Texas A&M. I mean, Mond, listen. Oh my! I'm God. telling you, that's my that's my day my 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 late round sleeper of quarterback wise right there. Like that's I don't want to compare him to like Dak Prescott or anything like that or whatever. Um, but I think Kellen Mond is a guy. He benefited hugely from the Senior Day or Senior Bowl, and I think he's I think he's projected probably fifth or sixth round or something like that. But no, that's he's my late, he's pro, he's projected. Uh, Carlos was right. He is projected to go in the second round somewhere. Oh, second. But, but, but this is why I say, as a, as a draft analyst, you have to kind of pay attention to who says those things, mm-hmm. and you have to pay attention to when these guys are going through pro days yeah. and the the build up because these the team scouts don't look at it that the same. Um, he's a four. I, I say he's no he's no later than a fourth round. Yeah. Um, he might fall to the fifth round depending on where the need goes and what team you see picking him up. Um, I've seen I've seen him projected to Houston. I haven't projected to Houston uh, in the fifth round, but you're right. I didn't think of I didn't uh, I, I didn't think of putting him in there. But Kellen Mond is a sleeper. But another guy that was a possibly a first round or a second round pick if he came out earlier is Ian Book. And hear me out. There are plenty of plenty of Notre Dame fans. I'm pretty sure you guys have some Notre Dame fans that you that you that watch. I'm, I'm a Notre Dame, Dame fan, fan, so like you, you're shocking the mess out of me by saying second round. Like, no, he's not I, saying second round. He's just saying sleeper. Oh, no, I'm just, okay. he's a sleeper. But okay. he can. But here's the thing: he was a first round. Or he was he was projected as a first round, second round pick a couple of years ago when he was eligible to come out. I think he should have came out then. He decided to stay in school. The thing about Ian Book is he do uh, Andrew Luck like production one game, and then he falls off the face of the earth the next game. Mm-hmm. But the physical tools are there. Six, you know, six foot. I think what six foot three, six foot four, two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pound kid. Great arm. If you look at the Senior Bowl, him and Kellen Mond actually went tit for tat as far as who was going to be the the MVP. Of that game, they they both looked great, and I expected that from Ian Book because I was like, if you're going to come out here, you cannot allow these guys who haven't played as great as you have to upstage you. Kellen Mond, I think, just came out and played amazing football, but Ian Book is a guy that if you look at what he's been able to do, his body of work, if you take the inconsistency out, would you push that out from under, and you put him in a system like a Patriot system? like a Kyle Shanahan system, depending on where they go, um, or any coach. You take them, you put them, if you drop them in up under uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, you know, for a year or two, you can have a guy who's a starter for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, he's going to give you some a heart attack or two. He's going to have inconsistent days. It's just ingrained his DNA, but he's going to be good. What quarterback doesn't have a down game? against a good defense in the NFL. It, it just it happens. So you can't hold that against the guy. And these guys haven't played professional ball. They, you know, they're essentially in the amateur circuit in college. 
but it's a it's a it's a damn good amateur circuit. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so um, I think Ian Book. I think Ian Book is another guy who can you know who can be a sleeper uh, in that same vein as a Kevin Bond. Okay, so we're we're getting close up on our time. We have Corlin Grant, uh, draft analyst from the three point conversion. So I want to get see if we can get get through these next couple of topics kind of rapid fire. So if you could give us uh, a couple of. Give us some day three prospects that uh, that we should be on the lookout for. People that we think in either this coming season or the next couple of years you'll see and say, "Oh yeah, that that guy who got drafted third, fourth, fifth round um, is is a game changer." Um, I think you have to look at the safety out of USC, Talanoa Tafunga, out of USC. Um, he's a guy that can play that that weird sewer cravings kind of hybrid safety linebacker position, uh, but he's a ball hawk. Um, and in today's NFL where you have linebacker, safeties that are putting on 10, 15 pounds and playing linebacker, he can do that and be a coverage guy a la uh, uh, Lance Kendricks or uh, Eric Kendricks, I'm sorry, which one of those Kendricks. Uh, <laughs> there's so many of them. It's uh, so many of them in the game right now. That that That's a family bloodline with a lot of uh, talent. But – He's one of those guys. I think you got to look at the brother of Greedy Williams, Trill Williams, out of Syracuse. Uh, okay. Long mirror corner. Uh, he can be. A, he's a. He's projected to be a third round guy. Um, but I mean, he could jump up into the second round, depending on, like I said, need and what the evaluation process is. But he's better. He if he played in the SEC school, had he gone to LSU or one of those schools, I think he's a first round pick, but you're talking about a guy that can flip his hips, run with your fast receiver, play big with your big receiver, uh, play in the in that dead man space, no man's land with your slot receiver. He can do it all, all over the field. He's a guy that I think you have to look at. Um, I'm gonna go with, also, I'm gonna go with a guy uh, who has some family ties here in Nashville. Um, I'm gonna go with um, Mike Vrabel's uh, son. He plays at Boston College. Um, I can't remember his first name, but uh, I've evaluated him really close. He's a he's a tackle. He's very fluid in the hips. He's a mauler. Um, of course, you know his father was a defensive player, but that that lets you know that he got taught pretty well how to block against some of the best pass rushing skills you've ever seen. So um, he can do that. He's a day three guy. You could probably get him in the sixth or, sixth or seventh round and have a guy who can come in and play that swing tackle position or guard. So I think those are some names that you have to look at and and, and really pay attention to because those are guys, those three names alone, and there's a million of them that you can name day threes. Um, and this is a very deep draft, but those guys alone, will, I think, you know, four or five years from now, you'll say, okay, those guys are guys I wish, I wish my team would have drafted or I'm glad my team drafted. Okay, so – uh, as we close out, so we have we, me and Ward both live in Kansas City. Uh, we got a homie who's a Dallas fan, and we got a um, our guy Loso who's a Florida fan. is also a Vikings fan. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, we should I can't remember why he's a Vikings fan, but that's neither here nor there right now. So I want to start <laughs> in Kansas City. Um, the first couple of rounds, like who do you think that the Chiefs should be looking at drafting with their first two uh, first two rounds? Okay, so the Kansas City Chiefs, um, I have them taking Christian Darisaw, uh tackle, um, Tech, right? out of Virginia Tech. Out of Virginia yep. Tech. 
you have to replace those two guys. You have to replace Eric Fisher and, 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 and Schwartz. You have to. If the NFL, if the Super Bowl was any indication, you need an offensive line around Patrick Mahomes for that offense to work. Um, second round, you, any linebacker, any linebacker that you can that you can that you can pick up. Uh, there's going to be plenty left on the board. We know Michael Parsons is going to be gone. Dylan Moses, I think, is a guy that you can that you should go that they should go look at out of Alabama. I originally had him slated to go in the first round, but of course, you know, as the evaluation process goes, uh, he's more of a second round pick. But he's cut out of that Tevin that Telvin Smith kind of mold. Uh, fast sideline to sideline can pass coverage, uh, can play in pass coverage, uh, which they got burnt on that side of the ball um, by Gronk all game last uh, last year in the Super Bowl. So uh, you need to go look at those two guys. Um, who's the next team? So Cowboys, my homie. So my other homie, who's also named Carlos, um, he has the misfortune of being a Cowboys fan. Also, my father's a Cowboys oh, wow. fan. First, first two rounds. Who do you think the Cowboys should target? Um, Patrick Sertan, easy. Uh, you you got to up your game on the defensive end in this division. Um, this team, these these team, that teams knows that division are building defense. Uh, Washington won the won the division based off of their defense, uh, and then New York is building a a, a monster on all, on the offensive side, and they could possibly take a, a tight end out of Florida by the name of Kyle Pitts. Uh, so, you know, if you put him and then Ingram, you need somebody that can match up. And um, uh, Patrick Sertan actually did match up with Kyle Pitts uh, in that Florida matchup a couple of times, and it looked good. And, you know, so he looked good. He's a big, lanky guy, 6'2", I think 210 pounds, somewhere in there. So he's a bigger corner. But you're talking about a guy that can flip his hips, great ball skills, and be a lockdown guy. Uh, he's he's one of them. Uh, and then I would say best player available in the second round for the Cowboys, uh, preferably a defensive player. Go go defense. Um, offense, you're fine. I don't think you really need offense unless you unless you're going to go get um, a receiver. But receiver is so deep this year, you can wait to the third, fourth round and get a starter. So. I think best player available on the defensive side, um, preferably a pass rusher, uh, because to, you know Lawrence uh, he got paid all that money. Demarcus Lawrence got paid all that money, and ever since he got paid, he hasn't really produced. So go get somebody that can either rush up the middle and give you a middle rush per, a pass rush, pass rush presence, or get his eventual replacement. Okay, and so the last team on that list, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. What do you think they should do with their first uh, two first round two round pick? Sorry. Um, so I have them going with a pass rusher out of Miami, Gregory Russo. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, Daniel Hunter worked best when it was him and Everson Griffin firing off the edge in, in Minnesota. Uh, and if you want to start another purple people eaters. Start you start there. Got this guy. I've heard people down him and say, "Oh, he's a fourth round pick because he didn't test well at his pro day." You have to watch the tape. The guy is a generational pass rush talent. He can come off the edge and do it all. Uh, in the second round, you have to replace what you lost at receiver. 
it, it, uh, you know, I know Justin Jefferson is there and he's going to be great. Uh, but you need somebody in the slot. Uh, Adam Thielen can probably take over that slot, the slot duties. But if you're going to get a guy, Adam Thielen can work, needs to work outside. I think he works better outside. Go get you a guy, uh, maybe an Elijah Moore, maybe a Rondell Moore. I like Rondell Moore. Um, and, you know, I'm going to show some bias here. I just hope Elijah Moore drops to the Titans. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I need Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore fits in Minnesota. Small, 5'7", 40-inch vertical. is one of the most elusive guys with the ball in his hand. Uh, and also, uh, just to uh, play devil's advocate here, another Florida guy, Car- uh, uh, Rondell, not Rondell, uh, Cardarius Tony, Cardarius Tony, out of Florida. He would fit that system up there too because he's he's fast, shifty, can't touch him in the phone booth. Um, when he gets the ball in his hand, he turns into a running back, uh, a la Tyreek Hill, kind of not as fast, but. Um, he can he can make things happen when he has the ball in his hand. So uh, if you're if you're Minnesota defense offense in the first two rounds. Okay. All right. So well, Corlin, we appreciate you joining us. We thank you. Oh. Uh, before we have you uh, pop off, I just want to give you allow you to get a plug in for the three point conversion and the work that you guys do there. Oh yeah. So um, I'm one of many talented writers at the three point conversion. Uh, I want to shout out to our team there. Uh, uh, Danny, Danny Thompson, of course, was mentioned. Mike Patton, uh, Derek Worley, Kyle, uh, Kyle Nash, all of those guys, uh, Raphael, uh, uh, Haynes, uh, D Intellectual, uh, Dennis uh, Pendleton, all of those guys, man, uh, come see us over there. Um, we cover everything from A to Z uh, in sports, plenty of football, baseball, basketball, NBA talks. Also tune in to the uh, three-point conversion on Saturday mornings, uh, the radio show uh, where uh, Dennis and, and Raph uh, are talking all of the hot topics and uh, hottest topics in football, baseball, and all sports. Also, if you want more draft analytics, uh, more mock drafts, uh, I will have a final mock draft coming out before the draft this, uh, this upcoming week. So uh, come over to the threepointconversion.com. That's the T H E three number three point conversion uh, dot com and come see us. All right, all right. So he is Cortland Griffin from the three point conversion, sir. We thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we it will not be the last thank time. So we're going to have to have you back on. Seeing that you and A Water Kindred SEC is is everything okay. spirits, and I'm the and I'm not anti SEC. I'm just yeah, an I'm ACC a fan. I'm, He's a AC, real I'm an ACC. Yeah. I'm an ACC guy, but I I mean I, I'm a Nashville born, Nashville raised kid. So of course, you know you got Vanderbilt here in Nashville. You got UT up uh, you know up the mountain there in Knoxville. You, I'm not that far from Tuscaloosa. You got Florida coming here. Then of course. The ACC tournament is held here every year. So uh, naturally, you get to see those guys up close and personal. Uh, and, and like I said, it's, it, even if you're a football fan, man, it's just hard to deny those those guys pump out talent. <laughs> no, so, we might yeah. have a road trip to not, uh, to not – well, obviously to Knoxville too, but 
to I'm from uh, Knoxville. Nashville. I'm from Knoxville, so I'm a huge Tennessee. Yeah, you were what Kansas City? So what? Eight? Where is it? Like six and a half, seven, eight hours? So it's in Nashville, and it's about seven, seven and a half. Yeah, my father-in-law, my wife's father lives there, so. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so nah, I played all my state tournaments in Nashville back in '04 in high school and stuff. Oh so. yeah, so yeah. But you guys, like I said, you guys have a fan in me. Uh, I love what you guys are doing here. It's, this is a great show, and uh, I'm looking forward to be a part of it more. Yes, sir. We, we will definitely have you back. So he is Corlin Griffin, uh, draft analyst from the Three Point Conversion. Thank you very much, sir. And we will talk again soon. Thank you. Take care, man. All right, Ward. So that was a good appearance from Cortland. We appreciate him joining us and being with us uh, this evening. Uh, so uh, draft is coming up pretty soon, coming up next Thursday, as a matter of fact. You want you, we want to do. So do you want to talk about the Super League or do you want to jump into Battle Rap? Uh, we can talk about the Super League. Uh, All right. I'm so kind of, I'm kind of excited about college football and NFL and draft stuff right now. So I'm with it. So here's the deal, right? So for those of you who – Obviously, we do not talk a lot of soccer. We definitely don't talk a lot of European football, football on mm-hmm. this show. But over the weekend, a bunch of hullabaloo, hubbub uh, went down when 12 of the more premier teams in European soccer said they were going to break away to create their own Super League. Um, I mean, this this drew backlash the, the prime minister of, of England chimed in. Fans all over the world chimed in. Uh, UEFA, which is one of the that runs the Champions League, said, hey, we're, we we want you guys banned from international comp- – I mean, it was just a big hullabaloo, hullabaloo, right? Big hubbub, right? So this got me to thinking, what if we created – what if in the NCAA, if 16 teams decided to, decided to come together and say – we're going to form our own super league. We're breaking away from conference affiliations. We're, we're and we're going to form our own league. We're in our own games, own tournament, own championship. What sixteen teams would be in the super league? Now, Ward, here's where I'm going to start with you. I need you to provide a justification for Tennessee to be in this super league. Oh, right, right now, I don't. I don't think Tennessee should be in the super league. I got sixteen teams. You're going to tell me which one should be booted to make room for Tennessee because Tennessee did not make a cut. All right, that's fine. That's fine because I have a 16, 20 – I have 23 teams that are even like a possibility, right? Okay. So I got locks. I got the second tier. And then I got basically seven other teams, right, that are kind of here and there, right? So so work back. Work back. Start with your, your locks. Okay. I'll start with your, your second tiers and who, who missed the cut and then work your way up to your 16. Okay. So here's three teams that are and, – and, and you might say, what? You know what I mean? You might just go, really? Like, why? You know, but here's three teams that, to me, don't make the cut, but I would at least give them a mention. That's Oregon, West Virginia, and Washington. So that's three teams, two Pac-12, one from the Big 12 – um, and I think that I have them in there because I just felt bad in my t- 20 that I listed, realizing that I only had two Big 12 teams and, and two Pac-12 teams. So um, because those two conferences are just, you know, kind of um, I don't know. They are where they are. So I have Oregon, West Virginia and Washington as three teams that are very, very fringe. If we were to put it in college basketball terms, it's um, l- l- what is it? Last four out or something to that extent. So, yep, yep. Now, so now my next four teams, and these teams are 
interchangeable with my 16. So that these teams all have a voice in saying I should be a part of this 16. Now, I don't know about you, but mine's all power five. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, my 16 is all power five. I have some like, okay. honorable mentions that are non-power five. Okay. I didn't do, I didn't do anything non-power five. Um, but, but so the four teams that are on the, you know, we can put them up beside are Wisconsin, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. UCLA, and Auburn. Okay. So, so three of those teams are in my – I had ten teams that missed the cut. So you said Washington, right? So Washington, West Virginia, and Oregon were kind of like the three that I didn't even want to group them with the, the these other four. So they were kind of like, eh. But then I had Auburn, UCLA, Texas A&M, and Wisconsin as kind of the four that – like if you said they're in your top 16, i say, all right, you probably can make a case for it. All right, so yeah, Auburn, A&M, and Wisconsin were, were three on my list who didn't – who just missed the cut. All right, continue. Oh. Okay, so then – I'm not, yeah, so all right. Now, obviously 16th for me is Nebraska. All right, now this is what I'm – this is what we have to talk about now. So now we have to talk about are, are we creating a 16 of the best teams of the last 10 years? Are, are, are we're creating something that's a super league that's breaking off that's, that's not like a – oh, we're only here for a couple years, try this thing out type thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm asking myself, I'm asking myself, all right, who puts out the best players? You know, who puts out NFL players? Because I want to watch NFL players play. Yeah. Who brings in the most money, has the biggest facilities, the biggest stadiums, the biggest, like, I, I go with, like, the history, the rich history, the different things like that, because at the drop of a dime, a coach or a system can come back and bring a, a college team, you know, back. so, and then I go with, um, actually how you're playing, you know, like h- how have you, you know, performed when it comes to national championships, conference championships, bowl games, boom, boom, boom over the totality. So Nebraska is my 16th team. Tennessee is my 15th team. I have Tennessee in, I have Tennessee in because when it comes to, um, Winning percentage, national championships, conference championships, bowl games, wins, bowl records, NFL draft picks, first-round draft picks, um, stadium capacity, revenue, um, just about anything in college basketball. Tennessee is, is, is outside of the top 16 in one category, and that's conference championships. Why? Well, because there's five other teams in our conference that are above us in this top 16. So, um, so yes, teams like Nebraska, teams like Tennessee, and then teams like my 14th team, Florida State, are teams that have not played or fared very well as of recent, but they still put out NFL players. They still fill stadiums. They still, you know, so I have Tennessee at uh, 15, Florida State at 14. I have Penn State at 13. I have the University of Miami at 12. I have the Florida Gators at 11, the Georgia Bulldogs at 10, and the LSU Tigers at 9. So these these last eight teams, um, like I said, when you get down to the Tennessee, Nebraska, the Florida States, I think I wouldn't be mad if you were like, look, A&M, Auburn, UCLA. But I also was looking from a standpoint of like, all right, well, do we want to put two Alabama teams in here? Do we want to put two teams from the state of Alabama in here? Do we want to put two teams – you know, from the state of Florida in here. So, you know, there's just different factors as well. 
Then my locks at the top eight are um, Alabama's obviously a lock at number one. I have USC. I have Oklahoma. I have Ohio State. I have Notre Dame. I have Texas. I have Michigan. And I have Clemson. So those are my top eight locks. And, uh, yeah, I could argue Tennessee out solely based off the last decade of actual productivity in regards to, like, you know, record and different things. Um, at the same time, I think that, um, you know, they still have put out NFL talent. They still have, you know, I mean, the best fans in the world, the biggest facilities, the, you know, and Nebraska is the same way. We went to the Nebraska game and, I mean, they – they're terrible and they're still selling out. They're still, you know, they're still Nebraska. So since it's uh, creating a 16-team Super League, um, I, I, I went ahead and added teams like Tennessee and Nebraska and had teams like Wisconsin. Like, I just – I personally just don't care to watch Wisconsin play ever. And they might, they might, you know, be there. You know, teams like – even I didn't put Iowa. I didn't put, you know, Colorado. I didn't no. put, you know, like – there's just teams that, you know, that might have somewhat of a, you know, Georgia Tech, that storied history or whatever. And it's just kind of like who, who, you know, who and why. So, yeah, that's my that's my 16 team super league. conference. All right. So I'm going to start. With, I had 10 teams who just missed the cut. Tennessee was one of the teams that just missed the cut. Um, I did factor in your performance as of late. It's like so, I mean, for me, that's what. That's what factored into the teams that made my list now. Um, right. And so, like, this is an alphabetical order. I didn't put them in numerical order. So the 10 that didn't make it, um, we got Cincinnati. Cincinnati, as of late, been a lot better, but they're not. Like you talk about footprint, relevance, mm -hmm. uh, Nebraska, mm -hmm. for that just because they have been bad for so long. And even in this Super League, like, you're going to be going up against – some SEC teams. You're going to have some traditional powers in Michigan and Notre Dame who are able to recruit at a higher level right now than Nebraska mm -hmm. that I just feel like if you bring them in, they're going to get their teeth kicked in every every year. Like, they're just not going to be able to compete. Oklahoma State, um, I think a team that's been good but not quite there. Stanford, down as of late, but historically the past 10, 15 years been really good. Tennessee, I talked about. A&M, right on the cusp. UCF. Like mm -hmm. UCF makes a lot of noise, but you know Virginia Tech has the history. Been oh so so of late. Washington and Wisconsin, like those are the teams that barely missed the cut for me. Um, so for the sixteen that actually have I have in there in alphabetical order, I got two Alabama teams. You're gonna have Alabama. You got to have Auburn because you're gonna have the Iron Bowl. Auburn has been in the college football playoff within the last I think five or six years. Um, you know, and you, I, you just got to have those two teams in there. I got Clemson. I got three Florida schools. I got Florida, Florida State, LSU, Miami. That's my third Michigan, uh, my uh, Florida team. Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I got Oregon in there because they've been better as of late. They've been better as of late. Um, and I think that you're getting that Northwest footprint in there. Right, you got a West Coast team because only the only other West Coast team I have in there is USC, right? So they got the West Coast region covered. Penn State, Texas, Georgia, and USC. So that's my sixteen. So like I said, Nebraska. I think our only the only we differ on Auburn. I got Auburn in. I got Oregon in. 
Um, and there's a third one, I think. I thought there was a third one we differed on. Maybe not, but but those two schools, I think, so I think, I think yeah, it might have been Nebraska Auburn and Tennessee. Nebraska and yeah. Tennessee are where we differ. You have Nebraska yeah. Tennessee in. I have Auburn and yeah. uh, and and Oregon in. So how about this? If we're going to be co-commissioners, let's compromise. I'll give you the homie discount, and you get Tennessee <laughs> in. And you then, gotta get rid of Oregon. <laughs> uh, I just feel bad. I mean, one, we have no Northeast representation in any of our lists. Like that's true. That's true. Like, right. I mean, that's like true. I feel like once you get once you get up to Michigan, I think that's the highest we furthest north we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, if you get Tennessee, I I say we take Auburn out and we keep Oregon in. Oregon has been good. They're going to be able to recruit the West Coast. They're going to have that whole West Coast. Them and SC have the West Coast to themselves. And I think you allow you kick Auburn out, keep Oregon in, and that's our sixteen. Yeah, I so, so, and like I said, like I, obviously I'm a Tennessee bias or, or whatever it may be, um, and that's why I said like I, I was trying to look at the totality of it because there was a point in time when uh, before Nick Saban got to Alabama where you would look at Alabama and you would say, look, if we were deciding to make this decision right now, Alabama has been pretty porous over the last seven years. You know, like they've been. You know, but even though they're Alabama, even though they're one of the most all-time winningest, you know, football conferences of ever, you know what I mean? And then boom, Nick Saban happens, and then boom, you know, like 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 places like Nebraska and Tennessee to me, with like fan base facilities and all of just the I mean, kids still want to come to school there, you know, they still want to play, you know, there. So like I think that those teams, those are like they're a coach away or they're a, a, a all-star, you know, recruit away from being back in that position, you know? Um, whereas, you know, I, like I said, your Oregon's, your your Wisconsin's, your, like, I feel like you know what you're getting every single year, and you're just kind of like, all right, you know? So, no, no, that's good. That's good. I, I figured we would have probably 14. Your, your Oregon one, it, it, it tossed, it threw me up, a little curveball being in the top 16. But Auburn is hard to not put in the top 16. Auburn's it's really difficult not to put them in the top 16. Yeah. Um UCLA, I had UCLA up there. Um, but they've been they've been pretty, you know, pretty bad. But I think I kind of the UCLA was kind of one of those things like you said, where it's like I need some representation out here. Um so Yeah, we just need to top go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say top 13, 14 teams right now, I think are pretty cut and dry. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you make a, I mean, you make a good point about both Tennessee and Nebraska, right? You know, Nebraska has the tradition, and you could make the argument that for Nebraska, if you put them in this sixteen-team Super League, right, um, that it opens up the the South more to recruiting for them, which mm-hmm. in you know the Big Ten, it doesn't really allow them to get into those places as easily as you know, say a Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame because they're they have that ACC footprint, they're able to go into Florida. They're able to sometimes go into Texas and get kids. Um, and so, yeah, so I can see I, I see the argument for both Nebraska and for Texas. Yeah. I mean, for Tennessee, I'm sorry, being in there. Um, but y'all let us know what y'all think, man. Who would be in y'all Super League? Um, I thought this was a super fun uh, little deal to come up with. So hit us up. Let us know what who your 16 teams would be and why. You can go to Facebook, Twitter, IG, at Brains and Bars. Um, let's go ahead because the time is getting late. Let's jump into this battle rap thing real quick. Um uh, unless there's anything else sports wise you want to jump into, 
Um, nah, uh, nah, I think I'm good. I don't know if you're still wanting to talk about Kevin Durant, but if it's not, we can. I mean, I'll say, so I just want to touch on this real quick, and you can chime in if you want to or not. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, man, like this dude is king petty, super, super petty. So he's on with Wallow and Gilly, um, and they ask him his five favorite basketball players he's ever played with, right? So he says, well, you know, he starts off with Kyrie and Harden, which I mean, I'm not sure he's played 50 games with Kyrie yet. Right. Um, obviously, him and Harden have the OKC connection. Then he says Steph, Clay. Then he pauses for a second and then goes Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Wallo and Gilly like, dang, you know, like what? Like what's up? You couldn't. I mean, what? And he's like, well, forget somebody. He's like, well, you know. You, Russ, like you played with the guy for nine years. Like, how could you? Oh, I thought they were referring to Connor Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, uh, Nick Collison. Maybe they're Nick, Nick Collison was the guy he forgot about. Yeah, there you go. And, DJ so, like, and so, like, you know, like he's like, oh, yeah, Russ, Russ. That's right. That's right. My bad. My bad. I'll move, you know, Ibaka out for Russ and then I'll make Russ fourth and Clay fifth. And I'm like, Bro, really, fam? Like, first of all, your list is your list, number one. Like, I really don't begrudge people your list. I really don't. But, yo, like, how do you you play with Russ for nine years? Y'all were a 3-1 lead away from the finals. Y'all made the finals. Like, y'all went to – y'all had – I mean, I hate to use analogies. Y'all went to war together. But Mm -hmm. you can't put Russ in your top top five? And and then the excuses people made. Oh, well, you know, he just – you just put a guy on the spot. It's hard to hard to remember everybody. Come on, fam. No, like, no, it's not really hard to remember that you play with a future MVP, one of the best players of his generation, one of the best athletes. And my thing is, is if he didn't want to put Russ on there, at least stand on it. Like, if because the, the second argument was what he said, favorite, not best. And I'm just thinking, bruh, like, even still, I don't think if you said best, he was going to put Russ on there until they called him on it. And he's just like, come on, Katie, bury the hatchet, bro. Let it go. Like, Russ is one of – we're talking to the Russell Westbrook apologist right now. Understand this. But, yo, like, let it go. Like, either either put the dude on your list or leave him out and be like, I said what I said. Like, Russ was a great guy to play with, but the, I enjoy playing with these guys more. Yeah. That's all I'm saying from KD. If you don't feel like he's one of your five, like, it's your list. But at least stand on it. Don't be like, I got somebody. Like, I don't cool. want it's, it's not even like petty. Like it's just like kind of corny, honestly. Like I don't even know, like, like because there's not like an. I mean, I guess there's always an ongoing little like you know whatever back and forth. But like it's not fresh or anything. So it's just kind of like why are we still on this? You know what I mean? Like it just I, doesn't make any sense. Or I don't get it. I really don't. And I'm just like I don't. I don't know if Russ like continue. Like I get. I know the 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 talk has been. Well, you know, they were only work friends and that was it. And it's just like, okay, and like he's still a great like I have people that I don't most of the people I work with, I don't associate with outside of work. That doesn't mean that I won't sit here and be like, yo, these five people are the best co-workers I've ever had when it comes right, to right, right. you know, so that's all I'm saying. The other thing I say about KD is I do hope his mental is good because the Nets, they're suffering through all these injuries. KD has a thigh contusion, he's missed a lot of games this year. And he just can't seem to get right health-wise. And one thing I know about these athletes is, one, they're creatures of habit. And when they go through these 
continual nagging injuries and messes with their mental. So I do hope, despite my criticism, I do hope that his mental is okay. I do hope that he's doing okay and he's able to deal with the 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 mental side of trying to come back from all these injuries and dealing with those injuries. But yeah, come yeah. on, KD, like, come on, fam. You got to be better than that, bro. Yeah, you got to be, be, better. be better than that. And JC, I don't know. I won't call KD a snake. Um, but I mean, like, he's just, to me, he's just super petty. And he just refuses to let stuff go. And I yeah. think he's got to let whatever happened between him and Russ, unless Russ tried to, like, sleep with his girl or something or, like, you know, like, <laughs> say something about his mom. Like, you got to let that go, bro. You, yeah. you got to move on. Y'all let us know what y'all think. Y'all hit us up, IG, Twitter, Facebook, at Brands and Bars. How do you feel about KD leaving Russ momentarily out of his favorite five? He left him out of his MySpace eight. You know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't. He took him off the top eight. He took him off the top eight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well. so, all right, let's jump into this battle rap thing, man. So, real quick, I want to say before we jump into the UM3 predictions, I just want to say one of the things I learned uh, over the past week is that battle rap is in great shape. You know, there's a lot of weirdos in battle rap. There's a lot of weirdo stuff that goes on in battle rap that makes you go, man, oh, my God. Like, where are we? Where is this culture headed? But we got to go to uh, to the East Coast last week, went to Jersey. I battle. Your battle versus XL went down. And, um, you know, I just want to say shout out to all the great people that I was able to meet out there. Obviously, you know all these people. You're cool with all these people. I know the whole guest thing in, in hip hop and in the culture is always tossed around. I always say I feel like a guest simply because I did not like Y'all talk about battle rap like, oh, man, I remember the first four bar setup, man. Like, I just like I feel like that's what y'all do when y'all get together. Y'all have this incredible memories. Y'all talk about all these things that unless you were there from the beginning, you you have to be there to understand it. I wasn't. I came and became a, a battle rap fan when you got into the culture when not not got into the culture, but once you started actively battling. And so, you know, shout out to I battle bucket list thing for me to be able to attend an event there. Um, I can see why Lex goes as hard for for that brand and that company as he does. It's a real family feel to it, um, you know, between the fans and the battlers and the people who are running the event. Super, super dope. Um, although I was afraid I was going to get the event shut down. I think when the police showed up outside, I don't remember grazing the locker. <laughs> I don't remember grazing the locker. I was talking to my wife. I was over by the lockers, by the little gate things. And then police pull up, and I'm like, oh, God, if they shut this event down, like, no, please don't shut it down. Please Dog, don't. you was trying to throw me an alley-oop, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. I see what you were trying to do. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, shout-out to shout out to those guys, man. I really appreciate it um, being there. Um, the event was dope. All the battles are dope. They're out on iBattle now on VOD. You can either yep. purchase the entire event or single battles for $5. Yep. So, you know, go and support them and support them. Uh, this weekend, I battle in Gates of the Garden. Having, uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a name to call it. This is like the, the SummerSlam WrestleMania of battle rap <laughs> events with all the battles they got going on this weekend. You'll be there taking on Polo. Um, yeah. So that goes down this weekend in in Atlanta. Um, then after that, what? Trying to think. The next day, I get to hang out with Real Deal, who. Greatest story. One of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. One of the greatest storytellers in battle rap. XQZ, The Source, um, for a little bit. Mad Flex. Um, very nice people. Very cool people to be around. We go to Champion. First of all, shout out to Jay Black. Yep. As seen on Champion. Um, <laughs> shout out to Jay Black. Jay Black, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
<laughs> Jay Black, we show up to do champion. Um, and he says, you want to be on the show? And I'm like, not expecting that. Super nervous to be there. The first time I talked, I really did need some water because I, I got cotton mouth because I was super nervous. I was excited to be there, being bucket list stuff, um, to be on his platform. Was one of the best episodes of Restore Order I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, that was <laughs> so a good. part of. Um, shout out to Swave and IP, Ill Will. Um, nice to just to chop it up with him a little bit. Um, heavy Uncle bags. Ra, yeah, heavy bags. Uh, we try. I tried to politely ask Uncle Rod to come on the show. He politely declined. But mm -hmm. I do hope that somebody. I think he said that he's that uh, 15 minutes of fame is headed towards their 15 year anniversary. I do hope that someone is able to get him who's closer to him, who knows him a little bit better than I do, will be able to get him to sit down and do an interview. He said he's only done, done like two in his entirety of his career. I think he's got a lot of stories, a lot of gems he could pass on to us um, that the culture needs. So shout out to them. Again, a really fun event. And JC, you know, I, I book a war. I will come out to a no coast yep, event. Yep. Um, you know what I'm saying? We have, I think, a was it real deal who tried to get us to the best of no coast? Was that the best of no coast video? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. So I mean, uh, just a really fun time, really great time, and I was really uh, happy to be a part of that and everything that it that entails. So, with that being said, as seen on chat, um, fifty bullets. Well, like Red shirt guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so he dropped the second half of the uh, of the UM three discussion, right? Oh, he did. So I went through the comments, and somebody goes, "Hey, that looks like Mickey Fats." <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Two YTG, two YTG comparisons, bro. Oh, You're my gosh, man. You are with Hundred Bullets and Mickey Fats doing a fusion dance. Hilarious. So like. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, man, like, shout out to the, the – I really go to the comments just to see who, who's slandering me and what they're saying. That's so, awesome. shout out to, to Jay Black. Shout out to Champion, man. Let's get into this UM3, John. Um, also, let me shout out France. Got a chance to hang out with him a little bit, too, yep. uh, that weekend. Let's Talk Battle Rap is having, if you want to throw in a parlay bet, um, what, five bucks? Yep, five bucks wins you $1,000. Five bucks could get you $1,000. You got to hit all eight winners, though. You get, so, I mean, which we'll talk about this as we go along. Let's go ahead and jump into this now. Cortez versus Official. Who you got? Oh, my answers change like every other day, man. I don't even remember wow. who I picked last week. Um, there's only a few battles that I think are clear winners, and this is not one. Um I did hear Cortez say, um, I don't know if I want to say it. Uh, um, did, he say it did he say it like on a platform? No, when we were outside at the iBattle event. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so okay. Um, I'll just say this much. I think Cortez has the ability to pull an upset, you know? So uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to take Cortez with the, with the quote-unquote upset, if you call it that, um, with, the, with the win over official. Yeah, I, it, it would be an upset because... I think people are expecting official to win. I think like a, there's a lot of slander on Cortez's name right now. You know, I mean, they have him losing. The, basically, it's like his last three battles, right? They have him losing the rum. Um, they have him losing the easy. Maybe last two. Oh, and uh, Quest McCody, right? Mm -hmm. So they have him losing his last three battles on the URL platform. Um, and so, you know, I think that people don't believe in him right now. And 
just kind of doing some research on the first Ultimate Madness tournaments, like I think there have been at least we're averaging two upsets per tourney, right? Okay. So if you're trying to hit this eight battle or parlay, right? You're going to have to take some risks and choose some upsets and also hit the 50 50 coin flip battles. And to me, this is one where I think Cortez pulls the upset. I think um, officials an incredible puncher. Um, and so, you mean, and with the two minute time limit, 230 grace period, like it gives her a chance to put a bunch back to back. But I'm going to take Cortez beating official uh, for my first upset. Um, let's jump into the next zone. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Let me get down to Geechee Gotti versus Riggs. Yeah, I got Gotti winning this. Um, I think it'll be a close match. I think Riggs will come out and put on a, a – I think it'll be one of those performances from Riggs where it's like you might have lost, but, like, we want to see you again soon. So I think you could, you'll could you see Riggs, like, on maybe a super fight card or something like that after the tournament just based off how good he's been this year too. Um, but um, $100,000 on the line, Gigi, you know, he, he he's really, really good when, you know, when he applies himself, and I think that he'll apply himself and I think he'll win. All right, I got Riggs. Oh, no, sorry. I was thinking in my head what I was going to say. I got Geechee. I think Riggs is a dark horse, though. I think Riggs, um, I if Gotti has one of those rounds like he had against Matt Hoffa where his second was kind of – Yeah. Mm, I think Riggs, he's going – I mean, granted, he's not – he just battled Flacco. That's his last battle. He's had time mm-hmm. to stay prepared for this. Like, I think he's going to come – like you said, he's been on a on – a, I don't want to say career high run, but he's been really, really impressive to start the year. And yeah. uh, if Gotti messes around, uh, I mean, yeah, all it takes is a very losable battle. Very yeah, losable yes, battle. mess up one round and then Riggs takes one more. We can be talking. I mean, that you want to talk about brackets ruined, throw it in the trash if Riggs wins this battle. Um, and that's big motivation for him as well because he's going to be a heavy underdog. Can I tell uh, you, I shed a tear when I saw Gigi Gotti in the tournament. Why? Because, I mean, right now, the, the only clear loss that he has is A. Ward. And now, no matter what, if he doesn't win the tournament, I'm going to share that with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, yeah. yo. All right, Jerry West versus Swamp. I got Jerry West. I got Jerry West winning that. Um, I think it's kind of a coin flip battle. I think Swamp um, – he needs it more than Jerry West does. I think Swamp has kind of become a little bit forgotten since he, you know, beat New Jersey Twerk. So I think that the the battle is huge for Swamp to win. Um, if he doesn't, I think that he could kind of fall down into like the. I mean, he he Swamp was on his way to maybe being like a top, a borderline top tier. You know, kind of like what Easy's doing right now. He was doing what Easy's doing before. You know, so. Definitely needs the win, but um, I got Jerry West. Uh, I got Jerry West as a possible winner of the whole tournament. So I'm gonna take West. I mean, but I'm not confident in the pick, not because I'm not confident in Jerry West and the battler that he is, but like you said, I think there's a lot on the line for. I think there's a lot on the line for both of them. Like I feel like we haven't seen West in a while. Um, I'm trying to think the last maybe thirty call. Danny. Then he 30 yeah. Danny whenever Loso battled EK. Is that when that was that a battle? Did, did that happen? I gotta look that up. Like I, I honestly don't remember the last time I saw Jerry West. Like I'm thinking I don't. I don't remember the last time I saw Jerry West. Like I'm actually on the URL app right now. 
like trying to look this up to see if I can find out. Yeah, I mean, remember Danny had the, like steam coming off his head, and I think Jerry West started him. So that was a volume. Was that the volume, Joe? No, that was an anniversary joint with Loso and Ek. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at it. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so he's been sitting for a minute, but I do think for both of these guys, like these are big plates because if whoever loses, like I just feel like you're not going to hear from them again for another three yeah. or four months on the platform. So yeah, going to take Jerry West, but I wouldn't be surprised if Swamp won. Yeah. All right, uh, Jack Boy versus T Top. T Top next. <laughs> I'm gonna go Jack Boy here. I'm gonna go. So, this is your second upset. This is my second upset. I'm gonna go Jack Boy here, uh, winning this battle. So, uh, I don't have a whole lot to add to it. Like I said, I just think I think you said it, um, as seen on Champion. Um, I think that you said <laughs> that, uh, that you know, it that if an angle for T Top maybe. He can't get it executed in the in the time limits, or if it doesn't hit within that time limit. And if Jack Boy, you know, can show, I said if he can show some personality, um, you know, take some angles. And I think Jack Boy can be kind of unorthodox at time. I'm gonna. This is my second upset. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Sirius Jones versus Rum Nitty. Rum Nitty. I don't think uh, there's much Sirius Jones can do with Rum Nitty. Man, I'll be so. Rum, please don't. I mean, granted, <laughs> Rum Nitty's my favorite battle. Rum Nitty's my favorite battler, like non-horseman division. I got something yeah. to say about that in just a second, because you had to look in your face like, what do you mean Rum Nitty's your favorite battle? I, honestly, <laughs> I mean, Rum Nitty and Twerk Live that we watched was probably one of the best battles I've ever seen live. So, Oh, my God, fam. Oh, my God. Like, I'm not mad at that. So, real quick, I want to take a detour real quick, and we're going to come back. So, you know, how we talked about the KD thing, right? The the example I had on that was that's if I, if I am on someone's platform and, it, and they're talking to me about battle rap and they say, who are your five favorite battlers? And I go, uh, yeah, Rum Nitty, Ill Will, Loso, uh, Saga. And I go, hmm, who's the fifth? <laughs> and I go, oh, oh, that's right. Easy to block, Captain. Yeah, like you, they gonna look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean? You you do a podcast with the guy. You travel when you he's your access to battle rap events, and you don't put him in your top five. Like anyway, so that that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, dang, I didn't mean to leave that that Jack career die with his chain thing up there that long. My bad. My bad, Jack. I got you in it. I got you in it. Um, but all right. Anyway, keep it moving. Um, I got Rum Nitty, obviously, yeah. but. Hey, if Romney don't win this hundred thousand, I'm gonna be pissed off. Just because, again, he's my favorite to win the thing, and one of my favorites uh, in the culture right now. Yeah. Drugs versus Yoshi. So it's hilarious to watch back the champion thing now, and you go, Yoshi has a pin. <laughs> um, Let me tell you something, man. Uh, ain't nothing new under the sun, man. Uh, when I, uh, you you can't tell me something that I didn't already uh, maybe think. <laughs> in the first. Yoshi, I believe you. I believe that you that you are doing your thing and you're doing it genuinely. That being said, I got drugs winning. I still stand by what I said though. Like it better not be two two going to the fan vote. It better not be 2-2 going to the fan vote because then I have a fear that Yoshi might get the dub. But I got drugs. 
Yeah, I got drugs too. I got drugs. I think I had Yoshi on champion. I think I picked Yoshi on champion. Yep. With everything that's gone on, drugs ability to write in a short amount of time, more angles, more more stuff that can Man. really hit. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, I mean, this whole ghostwriting thing, that's a whole round. Yeah. Right there. Mm -hmm. Um, prep, and I how did I screw? I think autocorrect got me. It says suave in my notes, but prep versus suave. Uh, shout out to Suave and Restore Order. Uh, this is a flip a coin battle for me. Uh, I'm going to stick with my original pick with Swave. Um, I think Swave can kind of like maybe put Prep under his wing. Prep's just done some things like uh, outside of the ring that I think if Swave really kind of like, you know, talks to him or whatever, like just OG, I think he can I think he can put together some real good material. So I'm going to I'm going to take Swave uh, with the coin flip. So um, I'm not going to. Be in the building for restore order for some time, so I'm gonna take prep. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I took I took sway before. Um, I think prep is one of those. I think prep could go on a homesy like run mm -hmm. uh, where he he where he wins these some matches and and improves his stock um, going into the summer. So I'm gonna take prep in this one. Last one, twerk versus Casey J. Uh, I got twerk. I got twerk. Um, so. Yeah, I just don't, man. It's weird, man. Like, I just feel like you. Hopefully, these guys, seeing as it as a hundred k, like, is are in like apply myself mode. And when you apply yourself, like, there's a reason why New Jersey twerk, Gucci Gotti, Rum Nitty are like some of the best in the world. You know, mm -hmm. it's just that those guys have shown us a few times where they've taken their foot off the gas. You know, so it's like in my head, I hope that these guys are, you know. Um, you know, first round, especially you should be, that should be your best, you know, I mean, unless, you know, you're trying to tuck bars for some of the other rounds or whatever, but, you know, I'm trying to squeeze by with like some kind of strategy or whatever. But uh, I think that as long as twerk gets through all three rounds, um, that he should win a battle. You know, that's interesting because that was a strategy that, uh, Jay, the Nightwing used right on his way to the finals against, uh, Rubando. Yeah. Right? I mean, he even says in his third, like, I, I I could have wrote something better, but I feel like I was going to win with this material and go to Gnome. So you're getting throwaways, right? And, yeah. and had Rubando not choked, he would have been in the finals against yeah. Fon. So, um, yeah, like I got – I so that whole tucking bars thing, because Twerk is so dynamic, I do wonder does it go – does it run through his mind of I can bring a, some B-minus material and still be Casey? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I find that to be I, that's an interesting thought that hadn't crossed my mind. But I do have twerk. I do think two minute time limits. Um, so for example, his first round against Jay on his return was like six minutes long. Had some really good material in there. You're talking about you get to cut the fat from his rounds. Um, as long as he remembers everything, it's gonna be tough to beat him. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's I mean that's our UM three first round coverage. We'll be back to break down the first round next week. Um, do you have any top tier cars you got tonight? Are you good? Nope, they're not with me right now. So, uh, yeah, I was running around trying to get all this set up. For some reason, my internet's out, so I'm using my like Wi-Fi data, right? Or not my my actual phone data. I don't know what's going oh. on with the Google Fiber. Like they're just they're messing everything up. So, Yikes. yeah, I was like running around trying to get connected and stuff. So, all right, all right. So, uh, that's our show for tonight, man. We went super long. We normally don't go this long, but. Um, you know, we had some we had some draft stuff to get into. So uh we'll be back next week. Um 
So, JC, we are going to start putting out a link for you guys to come and join us for a couple of minutes. Get your takes off, talk some sports, talk some battle rap. Um, so, yes, we will make that happen pretty soon. Um, thank you for, for watching and subscribing and tuning in each week. Um, please remember, you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Theme by going to the podcast app of your choice or going to YouTube to watch the visual version of it. You can do that by searching at Brains and Bars. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, like the content, and share it. Um, I am AWARD.com for all things AWARD related. Um, this weekend in Atlanta, Battle Mania, Battle Rap Mania going down. Let me ask you for actual names. Yeah, Street Hymns versus Automatic Ray, Saga versus G-Lo, me versus Polo. Eddie I Chef Trez, is that one of them? Eddie That's I Chef Trez is the main event of the Gates of the I'm not Gates of the Garden of the I Battle event. Should be crazy. Um, that should be a really fire battle. I'm probably yep. gonna try to get the pay-per-view to be tuned into that battle because those are two of my favorites as well. And Geechee um, Gotti battles the day after. So he, he battles on the same day as me against a guy named Wise. So that's crazy. That's crazy. So shout out to Lex. Shout out to Dre Dennis. Row Rage 3, right? It's the name of the card. Yep. Make sure I get Row it right. Rage, yeah, three, I think. Row Rage 3, Gates of the Garden. I battle crossover event. Shout out to those guys putting in work. Um, and yeah, we will see you guys next week, man. So until next time, it's been a black and white thing. I holla at y'all. Deuces, y'all.